and welcome to Not a Couple, a Will and Grace podcast. I'm Tess. I'm Matthew. And this week we're talking about uh, Season 7, Episode 18, The Fabulous Baker Boy. I thought it was funny that there were so many opportunities on this show to have, like, because I'm pretty sure the, the reference is to, like, The Fabulous Baker Boys, which, if I remember right, is, like, a TV or a movie about, like, piano players that I think has been referenced on the show previously. I wouldn't know about it otherwise. I'm going to Google it. Um, but it was funny then that it was about a baker, like, that was the pun, not, like, that the pun was, that it was about the movie. I don't know. The Fabulous Baker Boys is a 1989 film about brothers who have performed together in a small but successful piano act for years. I feel like I remember putting it into a show notes once, Mm. and otherwise I would have no idea. (laughs) Oh, throwback. Remember when we used to do show notes? Oh my god. That extremely (laughs) stressful period of my life where I was like... Tess, I'm going to explode! And I don't know why, because I was like, okay, fine, I'll do the show notes this week, and then you were like, no, but they're not to my standards! They weren't to my standards, admittedly. Okay. Let's do the episode description. Okay, great. Okay, so, uh, season seven, episode 18 of Will and Grace. When Will agrees to fire Karen's pastry chef, he becomes involved in a love triangle that the baker created. All right. That's actually pretty apt. I mean, it's only half the plot, as always. Yeah. Let's talk about the other half of the plot, because I think it's the one that I totally understand why it's not in the episode description, because it's super dumb and super forgettable. So the sentient pile of mashed potatoes that Grace is dating, also known as, what is his name? Nick? Nick. Nick. I always keep forgetting his name, though. Nick. Not a good sign. Also known as that guy who Cameron Diaz dumped at the beginning of the holiday. (laughs) And, like, this episode really clarifies to me why Cameron Diaz dumped him. Yeah, real Um, talk. Is in this episode, and he, we learn that he, as we've already, we already knew that he was a greeting card writer, mm-hmm. we learn that he also has a potential hobby for wanting to write, like, film and television scripts. Sure. And we're also reminded that Jack works at OutTV. Mm-hmm. It seems like a match made in heaven, except for the fact that, like, OutTV is, like, the most, like, specific network, and you can't just, like, pitch random shows we also learned some very interesting things about the office culture at OutTV, which really <laughs> cracked me up. There's this, like, whole running bit about how Jack has to, like, get, fill out a form and submit it and, like, have it notarized and stuff to use his phone. He also has the only straight assistant, which is clearly a mark of shame. Like, he's like, clearly on his way out, frankly. <laughs> if he's having to fill out phone requisition forms, his assistant isn't even gay. His assistant isn't even gay, and I don't remember his assistant's actual name because he just calls the assistant Elizabeth the yes. entire time. Yes. Which, you know, fair enough. Right. Um, but so basically, Nick asks Grace if he could if she could read his script and pass it along to Jack. Uh-huh. And that is That's a bridge too far for Grace, apparently. Yes. So we learn a little bit of backstory for Grace, which is that apparently once upon a time she dated a guy in a rock band, and she went to see him play, and he was horrible, and she told him, and it ruined their relationship. And also then he was gay. And then he was gay, because every single one of her Mm ex-boyfriends is eventually gay. Yes. Yep. That's the the whole backstory. That's the whole backstory. So she's very nervous to read this, this script. And so she passes it along to Jack, having not read it. And of course, Jack doesn't read it either, because Jack can't read. Yeah, Jack can't read. <laughs> so there's this, like, weird this weird bit where, like, this plot, like, keeps changing from what kind of plot it is. Like, originally it's, like, kind of funny, because then, like, uh, nobody's read his thing. And then Grace is like, I did read it, and it's really bad, and that's how I know I love you. And I'm, like, watching Nick, and I'm like, why aren't you breaking up with her? Yeah. She's just, like, delivering this information in a very, like 
thoughtless way. Yeah, but then, like, back when she didn't read the script and she explained, like, her anxiety about reading the script, like, he wasn't... He was not chill about it at all? Yeah, and I mean, like, I understand, like, that would be annoying if someone said that they were going to read something of yours and then they didn't and then they were going to, like, pass it along to someone because they thought it was good but they didn't actually read it. Like, that I could see being hurt by, but he was. it wasn't so much that he was hurt by, like, her lying as, like, but why won't you read my script? Oh, my God. It was so baby man-child. It like, was such a baby man-child thing. Like, I don't know. Like, I literally wrote down, I'm like, and this is why Cameron Diaz broke up with you in the holiday. Like, <laughs> I was just like, just go back to writing greeting cards, douchebag. I don't care. I just, I thought that this plot line, I just don't care enough about these characters for this plot line to work. Like, we had no indication that he would write a good script, so it wasn't surprising that he wrote a bad script, especially since he pitched what appeared to be a straight romance to a gay network. Yeah. Like, there's the funniest part of this plotline is when Jack comes back and is like, we're totally buying your script. We're just changing everything. Yeah, it's like, okay, we're taking, like, the bare bones of it, and we're making everyone men, and all of the serious things that you wrote are now things that are happening, like, in a leather bar. Right. Like, and so that was kind of funny, but it just... I don't know. I just didn't care. Like, Frankly, this episode would have been funnier if it was Will writing the spec script. Because then it would be like, Will, how could you write such a not gay story? We've also seen Will write things before yes. that have been bad. Yes. There have been episodes with like his one-act play. Mm-hmm. And so that... that I It feels a little bit like they maybe had initially pitched this for Will, but then they already gave him a plot this week, so then they were like... <laughs> ah, oh, damn it. I hate it when we do that. We'll give it to this, like, you know, belly button Lint disguised as a human, and he'll he'll be we'll hey, make it about Grace and his relationship. The three pounds of belly button Lint disguised as a person in a trench coat <laughs> did some very fine work this week. Something about his face, especially this week, bothered me. Like I was just like, oh, you just and like no no shade to the actor, but something about this character and the way he held his face while playing this character made me like so like angry at straight people. Like I'm just like, how dare you? <laughs> How dare you breathe? How dare you be, like, the dominant societal influence? Like, I was was super over it. Whatever. Anyways, so at the end, we learned that Out TV is producing it. It's going to be the film of the week. And he has to go to Vancouver to... Film it? For reasons? For reasons. So, Even for though they changed months. the entire script. They changed the entire script. He's going to Vancouver. And I actually don't know where they left their relationship. Did they break up? Or did they decide to be long distance? I think they decided that they were going to break up, but that because he wasn't leaving for three days, they were still going to go to dinner. I understand. Because I was pretty sure this was his last episode. So I was kind of like, oh, are they gonna, are they gonna date? Or like, this is gonna be like long distance, but then Grace is gonna forget about him. Who even knows? I don't know. It's just... So I have questions about this. So uh, why would the writer of the script that they've completely changed go to the filming? Very dumb. Why is this made-for-TV movie going to take three months to film? Also a good reason or a good question. Why do all the gay people at OutTV not realize that Vancouver is in Canada and not in New Jersey? Well, to be fair, OutTV, the real network, is in Canada. So, like, yes. maybe they're finally, like, bridging the gap here. Yes, because we've discussed this before when they're like, OutTV, we're like, that's, like, a real network, but this is clearly not that OutTV. Yeah. I, I have, like, my own personal headcanon, which is not supported at all by the text, which is that the film is not actually filming in Vancouver, and Nick is just trying to, like, get out of this relationship in a super low-key way. Yep. But that doesn't actually have any textual support, so it's clearly not what's happening. 
but it makes me feel better. I just, like, imagine that this script they've changed now is just a porn. Oh, yeah. I mean, it clearly like, is It just sounds a porn. like it's just a porn. Like, yeah. and so now I'm re-envisioning, like... Maybe that's why it's taking three months to film, because they're just going to go have sex for three months. Well, yeah, because, you know, adult films take a little bit longer to film because refractory periods for people <laughs> with penises. I just mean, you normally can't get hard again for at least 20 minutes. That's, sure, good point. You got to shut the whole production down. Good point, good point, good point. Limited filming time because of the lighting. I understand. Mm-hmm. You got to get that cum shot. Got to get that. <laughs> I almost said boom, boom, pow. And then I was like, no. No, please stop. Please stop. I'm hurting America. Really? Maybe that is what that song is about. The porn industry. Wow. Will I am, since you're clearly listening to this podcast, if you could reach out and confirm to us whether or not boom, boom, pow was uh, written about the porn industry, that'd be great. Thanks, Willie. You know, when I was, like, 13, I realized that, like, Will I Am was, like, William, but with periods, and my mind was blown. That's embarrassing for you. I was just like, holy shit, that's so brilliant. It wasn't that brilliant. I know, but I was 13. Sure. It was also, like, my first foray into, like, music that wasn't country or, like, emo slit your wrists to music, so. <laughs> I understand now. The hip and the hop. Yes. Ooh! The hip hop. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the Will and Karen plot this week. Okay, so... Like, where do you even begin? Let's... So much about this episode was promising. So let's go back to the beginning. So for some reason, Will is trying to get Karen to look into her budget. Even though she doesn't have money to, like, live for 300 years without making any money. Which, there's a throwaway line about her having fired Picasso. So (laughs) it's possible that she could live for another 300 years. Mm -hmm. So I guess maybe he is being realistic. Sure. But... So one of the things that she decides that she can cut is the pastry chef mm-hmm. because um, really that was for Stan mostly. I right. Mean, and he makes good brownies, but they don't make her paranoid. So mm-hmm. like, why even eat them? Just a sidebar, out of all the things that Will suggests to cut in the opening sequence, the pastry chef is clearly the one who should be the last to go, even before we look at him. Yeah. Like, I don't even know what else he lists, but like, the was, pastry like, chef? One of them was mustard spreader. Yeah. Like... And then at one point, he's like, I fired helicopter pilot instead, because you don't have a helicopter. It's like, really, Will? You wanted to start with the pastry chef? Yeah, why Why would you start with the pastry chef? Like, at least, like, that make that's a person that makes food. Yeah. Food is good. We like food. We like food. Mm, I could go for a pastry. Oh, me too. Okay, so, pastry chef. Will goes to fire the pastry chef, which is confusing in and of itself, because he's not Will's employee. No. I don't know of too many places that send their lawyer to do personnel. But on the other hand, it's now happened twice in the revival, so... So I guess apparently in Will's contract with Walker Industries, he just... (laughs) He just fires anyone Karen wants to. He's also HR. That's troubling in and of itself. Yeah. So he goes to fire Pastry Chef, but, spoiler, Pastry Chef's hot. And also, like, really wants to get it with Will. Yeah. I was expecting this to be, like, a mistaken identity situation where he wasn't actually that into Will, but... Oh, he's into Will. Oh, yeah. He's, like, touching Will. And, like, there's... They're having, like, a ghost moment where he's, like, kneading the dough. I think that making the bread is, like, the most important thing. And Will's like, I don't know what you're saying. You're making me touch dough and I'm coming in my pants. Like, (laughs) it's... it's, So, he's like, Karen, you can't fire pastry chef because he's sexy. Mm -hmm. And so, I fired helicopter pilot. (laughs) And so, then he... And Pastry Chef, get it on, apparently. Mm-hmm. Off screen, of course, because Will can't actually be sexual sure. in any sort of way. I mean, way. they touched hands. That's basically and a PG-13 rating. he touched Will's upper arm at one <gasps> point. 
That's right. And there was evidence because he had so flour on his hands. And that's actually a, an important plot point because then Will goes to see Pastry Chef at, Car- at Karen's place and we learn that Pastry Chef is also sleeping with Karen. <gasps> Scandal! Because we see the flower handprints on her titties and her ass. It's like a weird like moment because like Will and Karen are respectively outraged at each other. But then the Pastry Chef is like, oh yeah, like... I just love having sex. I'm pansexual. Right. Which is a moment that is like, it's a jarring moment because it's both like, hmm, for the time period, I didn't even know we knew pansexuality existed. But then we also get the same joke you get every time someone mentions being pansexual, which is pants. You want to fuck pants. Which I, I feel like in this instance is the only reason he's a pastry chef, so we can be in the kitchen where the pans are. Maybe. But again, that's just confusing because you don't use that many pans when you're making pastries. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you might need to, like, melt a butter or something. If you were, like, tin sexual or, like, what? L- loaf pan sexual. That's, like, really, that's a different kind you of pan. know what? That's, like, such low-hanging fruit that I'm going to make an official declaration. I'm not pan, but I am bi, and there's a lot of pan by solidarity. We can't talk about humping pans anymore. I've decided it's boring. We're over it. But what about in sex education, where it's actually done cleverly because they point out that Adam is an idiot? I still don't think it was that clever. You're not wrong. I think that that's a tired joke and we should retire it. It should go to the old age home with all the other jokes that are bad. Okay. It is settled. A gentleman's agreement. Huzzah! But so, okay, haha, humping the pots and pans. And so, but then this is where things get weird. Because in true Will and Grace fashion, we don't receive a nuanced explanation as to what pansexuality is. And we also are conflating with other sexual things. Yes. So we learn that this person is pansexual, but we also learn that he's a non-monogamous person. Mm -hmm. So he appears to potentially be polyamorous, um, which is cool, but that's not the same thing as pansexuality, and we shouldn't confuse them. You can be both, Mm -hmm. but they are separate things. Or neither. You can be both or neither, but they are separate things. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he's like, oh, yeah, I like to sleep with all genders, and that doesn't really matter. And, you know, I liked sleeping with you, Karen, and I liked sleeping with you, Will, but I would really like if we all slept together. Which is also weird. Like, that's a further conflation of, like, being poly doesn't always mean that you want to sleep with all of your partners at the same time. Yes. Like, He's taking it, like, one more step, and it's, like, like, really uncomfortable. He's pansexual, he's clearly polyamorous, but then he's also interested in group sex. Uh Uh-huh. And doesn't seem terribly interested in whether or not the people he wants to have group sex with are interested in having group sex with each other. Yes. He, like, kind of tries to, like, low-key pressure Karen and Will into making out. Which is really weird. Because Will is, like, he's gay. He's not interested in women. Mm -hmm. And Karen is, who the fuck knows? Karen is (laughs) pill-sexual. Karen is pill sexual. She'll have sex with anything that'll give her a drug. <laughs> She'll have sex with anything as long as she's on some pills. Mm-hmm. Like, she doesn't, she's not picky. But, so, it's it's just very uncomfortable because, like, it goes from being a standard sort of love triangle into this, like, very complex quadratic equation mm-hmm. of bullshit. And the, the troubling thing is, well, there's two troubling things. But the first one is that I think the show thinks it's probably being progressive here because it's like, we're, like, being free and, like, 
have sex with whoever you want. Like, But then they're inherently making fun of that character and presenting them as ridiculous. Right. So, like, they're not being progressive. And while this may be one of the first times we actually hear pansexual used on television, mm-hmm. it's not, like, a positive representation. It's like, listen to what the kids are saying now. Like, ain't that crazy? Mm-hmm. And so that's disheartening. But it's also disheartening for the second reason that Matthew indicated. Is that we we keep coming back to this idea. I mean, we've literally had elements of this plot rehashed in the revival with no change. Within the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, there's there's even an episode of the revival where Will, I believe, fires a chef in Karen's employ and gets caught up in some sort of love triangle. Yes, I think he's more observing it than participating. But, but still. Yeah, so, like, this entire episode in its in its pieces, has been reproduced on multiple. It's, like, been mined for parts by the revival. It's very strange. And, like, the entire attitude that Will and Grace has sort of projected, even in the revival, which is in the year of our Lord 2020, Mm -hmm. has been inherently very pan and biphobic, and Mm -hmm. that's really frustrating. Like, you may recall last season when Karen was briefly dating Samira Wiley's character, Mm -hmm. and she was like, I'm gay now, and then Samira Wiley's like, I don't think you're gay, and then she's like, you're right, I'm straight. And it's like, well, no! Clearly you are sexually attracted to women. It's possible you're not romantically attracted to women, mm-hmm. and that's a whole different thing. Right. But we could talk about that. And But it's just... But Will and Grace can't talk about that. That's the thing, is Will and Grace can't talk about that. And I know we're asking a lot of a sitcom to pre- present mm-hmm. this sort of stuff with nuance, but considering that they have dedicated themselves to being the sort of, like front runner of LGBTQ representation, mm-hmm. it's very frustrating that really that representation is just the G. Well, and Frankly, I, I do feel like, at a certain level, Will and Grace's relationship is a little hetero-romantic. Like, yeah. it's, it, I would argue that the show has kind of moved beyond, like, being, like, gay and girl. Yeah. Like, they clearly have a, on a certain level, an affinity for each other that goes beyond friendship, which is part of the reason why their relationships are always a complete disaster, because they're not willing to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. You could make an argument that they exist in a queer platonic relationship. Yeah. That it's like, it's not a friendship, it's not a romantic relationship, but it is a partnership in and of mm-hmm. itself that is its own thing. And the show also doesn't seem prepared to grapple with that, despite the fact that it's set it up. It's especially frustrating now as we're kind of barreling towards <clears throat> the second finale, where what we are clearly building to is these two people are probably... Not for sure, because I wouldn't be surprised if the show just boldly has the exact same finale in the current revival as it did the original time. I mean, they're literally rehashing that plot, but whatever. But it seems like they're going to raise these children that they're raising together it, as, like, pseudo-twins yeah, in a shared household. It sort of seems as if the two of them are entirely planning to cohabitate and co-parent. Yeah. So, and that's cool. That's, like, but... But the, at a certain level, like... Address it. You're committing to being the shared parents for these kids. Like, it's not like Will is only going to parent his kid yeah. and Grace is only going to parent her kid. Like, and I, I maybe the show is eventually going to deal with that. I mean, they've touched briefly on that tension in the episode where they tried to get an interview with the preschool mm-hmm. um, where there's only one slot available and they start competing for yeah. whose kid gets to go to the preschool. But ultimately they decide... After they both get rejected, <laughs> right? That they that they don't want to send their kids to separate schools. And it's it's weird because it's like, how long is the show going to keep maintaining the fiction that they won't be operating like a family? Like, yeah, they're a family. They are a family, and the longer the show is like, these are two separate people 
who are both going to separately raise kids in the same house. It's like, no, that's not going to work. I think that ultimately the, the fact of the matter is that the show isn't prepared to realize that they've moved beyond their premise. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, the show began as a gay and girl quirky friendship, but yeah. this is not merely a friendship. These people mm-hmm. are family. Mm-hmm. They exist in a sort of committed partnership, even if it's not romantic, it has inherent value and it also has rules and stipulations mm-hmm. and like these people are about to co-parent children together. Well, and, and honestly at this point like because the show has been on for so long and because they're it's not just Will and Grace, it's Will and Grace and Jack and Karen and like the four of them have such a tight unit even if in real life they don't. Like that is a family unit that they have created and like pretending that they're operating as islands is not realistic. It's yeah. It, it may feel more realistic, but that's only because Will and Grace is not willing to embrace the queer platonic implications of its premise. Right. There is something very, very jarring about the fact that the show exists and it and supposes that it it advocates for and represents queer people, mm-hmm. but oftentimes queer folks create their own families Mm -hmm. there is something very raw and also very genuine about a queer found family because for whatever reason oftentimes queer people attract themselves to one another because the family they were born into can't quite fulfill all of their Mm -hmm. needs and that is very much i think what's happening here is while not all of the components of this family unit are queer there is a queer Ness mm-hmm. about the way they operate. Sure. And the show doesn't seem prepared to deal with the fact that they created that. Mm-hmm. They're just like, nah, they're just friends. Yeah. They're just friends who live together and are separately having kids in their shared apartment that, I'm going to be real with you, doesn't have enough space for any children. They're going to have to Haven't move. figured that out yet, they're I gonna, can see. They're going to have to move. I mean, this clearly the finale is that they're going to move out of the apartment, but like, it's kind of weird that they haven't talked about that yet, right? It's like. Gonna- are they playing like friendship chicken? Oh my god, I'm really I've I played apartment chicken before and it is not a fun game. I super lost. You super lost. Which was super unfair because the other guy clearly should have moved to Madison and or broke up with his boyfriend, but whatever. And yet he did neither. Did neither. Well, that was heavy. <laughs> yeah, we really, uh, this, this was off our notes. We went into uncharted territory for you guys. That's how much we love you. We love you, and we want you to experience a sort of sense of queer community mm-hmm. that I will say, I think we do a little better than Will and Grace sometimes. Aww. Because, like, we own the fact that we're family. Mm-hmm. But we also own the fact that we are a family and not in the, like, oh, you're like my brother kind of way. Because whenever you try and compare me to your sister, I get mad. Yes, you do. It gets so intense in the apartment. I just mean. Also. I've seen your dick. Also, you and I are honest about the fact that we don't want to be each other's co-parents. No. Because that would be bad. I am prepared to be the fun. What is gender neutral for aunt or uncle? I just keep trying to get you to co-sign antler no antler doesn't make sense where's the lure coming from it's okay because it's the word ant but it's masculine because it's an antler get it no listeners call in if you want antler to be the gender neutral term for a parental figurine it's not what that matthew tell them where you can find us on facebook and stuff if you want to call in and tell us your opinions on how good of a parental figurine test would be you can find us on Twitter at Not A Couple Show. You can also send us a note on Tumblr or on Facebook. 
and send us an email at notacouplepodcast at gmail.com. And if you're listening to this episode, you already know you can find us online. But tell your friends that they can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Podbean. And I swear to God, if you slide into my DMs telling me that I should go by Antler, I will find you. Slide into my DMs. (laughs) I will find you. I won't do anything to you, but it'll be creepy. Oh, yeah. Tess is a good finder. Even though they're not a Hufflepuff. I'm not a Hufflepuff. Not a Hufflepuff. But I'm dating a Hufflepuff. Oh. She's a particularly good finder. Okay, that's it. Thanks so much for (laughs) listening, everyone. All right. We appreciate you listening to us this week, everybody. Yeah, thanks for engaging us in this kind of intense conversation about queer families. Yeah. Um, And we'll see you next week. I'm Tess. I'm Matthew. And this has been Not a Couple. Bye-bye. Bye. This week's episode of Not a Couple was recorded in front of a live studio audience of one cat. Meow. Hi, Liza. You're so cute. Meow. This week's episode of Not a Couple is sponsored by Pansexuals. They aren't interested in sleeping with pans. Oh, God, stop saying that. It's a valid identity. Pansexuality. <laughs>